1: One thing I've noticed recently, and I think it's reflecting in, if you remember during our meeting last night when Ellen came in to complain that I was talking too loud, um, I'm noticing that I don't hear as much of my audio in my monitor anymore unless I like really crank it. But then if I crank it, like everything else is super fucking loud too. And it's like, it's, it's not that big of a problem. It's not a, it's not a deal. It's not a not a hassle. It's just something odd because I remember it being more like crisp and loud and clear. And also like I'd still hear like all oh, like if like if I just swish some papers around and whatnot, like I still hear all that just fine. But like my own voice for some reason isn't as loud. And I don't know if that's because like during the day I'm intentionally trying to talk like as quiet as possible because we're in meetings together and like I don't want to be disruptive. Or if, like, I'm subconsciously trying to, like, really give my coworkers the radio voice experience.
0: (laughs) So they can really hear that smooth
1: baritone. Yeah. But (laughs) that means when, like, when we get going, like, I don't remember what what set me off yesterday, but I started yelling about something. Apparently I was really yelling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It,
0: we were talking about very exciting things because we were talking about our three-year you know, business plan and <laughs> getting our presentation ready for, uh, by the way, any uh, uh, venture capitalist or investors looking to invest in a media company with a solid return strategy, call us, info That's at nice uh, and, uh, <laughs> that is, but yeah, That is, so in we, fact, we,
1: how you reach us on the, tele- the telephone. Uh, yeah, you call us by at calling. info.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a real <laughs> phone number anymore. I just changed it all to, to letters. You know, speaking of which, do you remember, like, uh, as a kid, people, like, on TV being like, oh, what's your number? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's uh, KTL, you know, KT5549 <clears throat> five, five, or whatever. But that was, like, a thing, right? But that was, like, a West Coast thing.
1: Pennsylvania 65,000? Yeah, well, yeah, So. I don't remember. Ahead, it. Here it is. So that was a that was a song, it was a uh, a movie, it got spoofed by uh by the Looney Tunes as Transylvania 65000. Um yep. without doing additional uh digging into why, but that used to be the format of telephone numbers before they had to get longer as there were more uh and eventually like the exchange prefixes got added and the area codes yeah. and blah 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 all these things. Or to where we now have a, you know, in the U.S., a minimum 10-digit uh, telephone number. Right. Or I guess a, a technically a maximum 10-digit telephone number. A maximum 10-digit, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so <clears throat> there would be, like, a letter followed by a string of numbers, uh, and I think that the letters were sometimes spoken out to, just basically to make them, like, phonetic, like the phonetic alphabet, I think, without doing, well, like... <laughs> like real research into it, that's what I remember learning uh, as OE1. I,
0: I feel like there there is definitely a podcast that would uh, sort of delve into the history of that and what that <laughs> meant, uh, because that's very interesting. You know, like, how, how pissed do you think other countries were when America was like, okay, we, we've got, you know, seven digits at the time. Like, we're seven digits, and the UK's like, okay well we're 14 digits or whatever (laughs) dicks you know like how pissed were they that their numbers are so long
1: that actually would be a really fascinating thing for someone to explore to take like you know for an episode take like a specific technology uh from its like predecessors to like its inception through its development to like the ways in which it proliferated and differs around the world. So, you know, what were communication techniques like prior to the telephone? Okay, telephone is invented. This is the the history of that. This is the history of the telephone number. And this is why telephone numbers around the world are so weird. Like, that would be a really fun show. I would listen to that.
0: I, I would totally listen to that. I feel like that's like, uh um uh, it's like kind of in the vein of Adam Ruins Everything. But, mm. you know, mm-hmm. but that's a sort of like really deep dive on some obscure topic. I don't know. There's got to be a thing. But imagine there's got to be like an alternate world where America wasn't the first one with the phones and so we're the one with the 14 digit numbers?
1: No, America first oh. always.
0: <laughs> America first always. Oh. Yeah. You know, some sort of uh other earth if you will. I see what you did there. And that being said, hello and welcome to the never heard of a podcast. I'm your host Michael Fight. And
1: I oh god damn it. Wait. Hold on a second. I had this. I had this. Wait. <laughs> stall for a second.
0: Don't worry, we'll we'll just edit this out as we're uh, known to do. We're, yeah. we're known yeah, yeah, to do yeah, yeah. No, the type of show that that edits, uh, edits our things it's very fine. well.
1: That's, that's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: You know, there's a program called Descript that will automatically, using AI, edit your podcast.
1: Is there really? Is yeah, a... it
0: takes out like the ums and the delays and stuff like that, but apparently it's kind of janky, but...
1: Oh, and I'm Dr. Joan (laughs) Tallis.
0: Yeah. No, I'm Dr. Joan Tallis. When were you born, Dr. Joan Tallis? Did you go to space camp, Dr. Joan Tallis?
1: I mean, here's the thing. Like, she did the whole, like, she wrote it down and then waited for the reveal. And like, look, I wrote, I said that, like, but like, everyone buys fucking space food at the gift shop. You're, right. not like, You're not special. You're not special, Dr.
0: Talus. <laughs> Dr. Joan Talus. which by the way, uh Dr. Joan Talis just ce- uh, celebrated her uh 68th birthday uh just uh w- what is it? Just yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, cuz it was May 7th, 1954 she was born, so that was uh yesterday upon listening to this episode. Happy birthday, uh, Dr. Dr.
1: <laughs> Joan Tellis. Happy
0: birthday, Dr. Joan Talus, uh, uh director of SETI. Uh, in this movie, uh, yeah, so, so we're talking about another, uh, multiverse movie and this one is called, as you've guessed, Another Earth, um, which I, I will be perfectly honest with you, uh, the premise of this movie, I was like, yes, it kind of reminded me of Melancholia, uh, the one with okay. Kirsten Dunst, yeah, where yeah, the, yeah. where the planet crashes into the other planet. Yep. Yep and i was like okay like i'm down melancholia by the way is a very good movie highly recommend watching it it's weird as fuck and
1: it's sad as fuck but it's a really good movie it's been on my list forever and i i have to i have to get around to watching it but that was around the same time
0: i had to have been pretty close 2011 i think is both of them um, uh, i'm yeah, pretty sure they, they were both 2011 released. so yeah
1: I mean, I wonder if this is one of those uh, situations where, like, the, it's, like, kind of an intentional similarity, or if it was just, like, totally coincidence. I feel like this is a little
0: bit of coincidence based on the trivia of Another Earth. It sounds like—so, uh, Another Earth, actually, this movie only had a budget of $100,000, but it made over a million, wow. which is pretty amazing. That's, like, a ten times return. That's super um, impressive. But, it, it is really impressive uh, but this movie actually started uh they started filming it using a camcorder before they ever even got a uh, uh, budget money and and thing was done and then you know they started getting money and they started you know hiring actors and stuff like that other huh. actors because uh the main uh, character uh Britt Marling um, also is the uh is uh, one of the other writers for this film um so And then uh, Mike Cahill uh, is the writer and director, the other writer and director. Okay. Um, Yeah, very interesting. But so uh, Another Earth, (laughs) this is, I guess, an irony thing or or a a fun little coincidence. Another Earth is two movies and only one of them actually gets made. uh, And the other one is like, hey here's an idea, and then it's like, but we're going to put that aside, because that's not really what this movie's about. But I want you to think about it, because it's kind of fucked up. And then at the very end of the movie, we're going to be like, (laughs) ta-da! Do you you see? And you're going to be like, I mean, I guess. Because honestly, I feel like you could remove the Another Earth out of this film, and it would still be a really good dramatic movie, because... It's a really like it's a, it's a sad. I mean, it's a slow movie. Yes. It but it it there's a good movie there. Like there's a good plot there, but it's just I I, I felt like the two ideas didn't really mesh. Oh, interesting. Or at least they I, weren't meshed well.
1: I I think this is going to be one of the the rare times where we disagree. <clears throat> um, okay. I I do think that the the primary plot that that drives this film uh would stand alone uh, quite well in fact i think that i have seen a variant of, of sure. this movie a few times uh work really well and that's not to, to speak ill of this movie or to say that it's derivative or anything like that just no it's not a, at all. it's a familiar plot <clears throat>
0: yeah yeah um, def- but it's but it's done really well it is done really well and it's kind of like fucked up enough where you're like oh man but like you're you're in it like you're in it
1: and i i think that what they do with the secondary plot line gives some additional context and some additional nuance to the possibilities of how the primary storyline could play out without needing to play one one direction or the other. Uh, so without discussing the ending just yet, because, you know, let, let's do this kind of right. Um yeah. I think this this is to me going to fall into that category of. I don't think that this ends well, quote unquote. I think it ends correctly.
0: Oh yeah 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 that's a really uh, that's a really good way of saying it so. So this movie, according to the uh, IMDb synopsis, this movie is, on the night of the discovery of a duplicate Earth in the solar system, an ambitious young student and an accomplished composer cross paths in a tragic accident. Um, Yes. However, this description makes you think that everything happens in that night. And that's not actually the case. So the movie begins and we're seeing, uh, you know, kind of montage of clips back and forth. So you're seeing a family husband, wife, Kid, you know, having normal family interactions, you know, of the night, oh, they're so cute and they're in the car and they're getting ready to go. And look at them being such a perfect family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. you're also seeing a bunch of teens uh uh having a party, you know. So it kind of jumps back and forth. Um, and you know, knowing the plot, knowing that, you know, what happens next, you're like, ah, I see where this is going. But if you kind of go into it blind, it's a really interesting opening montage because you're kind of like, I don't, like where, what's happening? Uh, And basically what happens is we see the husband, wife and kid, they're sitting at a uh, stoplight or a stop sign uh, of some sorts and they're in the car and the kid, you know, leans forward. is like, daddy, blah, blah, blah. blah, And then bam, uh, the car gets smashed into by another car. I mean, it's all hell breaks loose. You know, the car's flipping over and the whole deal. And we see a young girl, uh, one of the ones we saw in the, uh, you know, kind of featured in the montage scene, um, kind of waking up covered in blood. And then it jumps right into our story uh, and we learn that it's uh, basically she was underage, drunk driving. Uh, smashes into this car, kills the wife and son, um, and puts the driver in in a coma.
1: Yeah, and there's a couple additional bits of context that we get that set up the story, I think, really well here. We, first of all, get a voiceover uh, that gives us kind of in the past tense, you know, I was 17, I was on, you 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 know, fast track to college, or like... We established that this main character is someone who was, was super intelligent, super driven, had a you know bright future ahead of her, sort of thing. Uh, sure. Yes, she was. She was driving home from this party drunk, um, but this is also the night that this other Earth suddenly appears in the night sky, and she's listening to DJ Flava uh, <laughs> tell her all about it. And so who she's played
0: by DJ Flava, by the way.
1: Actually, a DJ. I mean, a DJ that's, Flava. That's yeah. perfect. I hope, yeah. I hope that DJ Flava is not actually a disc jockey, but is someone whose name is DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: they like, I know, we'll be clever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we have, uh, have her, uh, Rhoda, the main character, staring out the window as she's driving. Uh, so on, you know, on top of that layer of being drunk driving, she's distracted, she's literally just staring out this the the driver's side window not watching the road at all so of course there's the very clear setup like you see her doing that as she's driving you know down the road and there's some visual hints that she's starting to weave a bit and we see the family sitting at the light so it's like you know like brace yourself this is going to be a a major collision and someone's going to die
0: yeah, and, and and that's a really good point to point out about uh, this is uh, so uh, she's listening to DJ Flava, who announces the fact that uh, there is a potential discovery of a nearby planet that uh, has all the capabilities of supporting life. That's all they say. It's not yeah. we don't we don't know anything else yet. Um, so now you know, smashed into each other. We see that she you know uh, it's four years later. She's getting out of jail. Um, uh she's now 20 I think 21 at this point I think they they've yeah they would say. Have been, <clears throat>
1: uh, cause yeah because
0: she was 17
1: yep exactly yep.
0: and uh so she's getting out of jail you know she's talking to like you know parole like career placement officers or whatever or, or people and they're you know she was like oh you're so smart like why don't you go into something and she's like I just wanna not think and just use my hands and something and so she ends up being a school janitor um which, you know, fine, that's still a great career.
1: Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And uh, she gets um, to work with uh, Pradeep, I think is his name. I'm trying to find yeah. the actor's name because he's, he's a cool old man that I know I've seen before. Uh, yeah, I feel Kumar like Kumar Palana, uh, yeah. who plays Pradeep, yeah. Uh, he's just the, like the wise old man... Uh, yeah, he's he's in the terminal, he's in uh, Royal Tenenbaums, Bottle Rocket, like...
0: Oh, I knew I recognized him from yeah. a, uh, Wes Anderson, yeah, yeah, yeah Royal he's, Tenenbaums, that was the one. He's been yeah.
1: around, so... <clears throat> yeah. He's just that that wise, comforting presence, like, cracks a joke every now and then, but is usually just, like, giving sage advice and, like, you want to listen to him, because he just, he seems like... You know, just like this guy knows what he's talking about.
0: Yeah. Like, he's one of those guys that like, he doesn't speak very often, but when he does, you're like, here we go. Yep. Like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> whatever gonna, it is, like whatever it turns out to be, it's going to be great.
1: Can can fuck, fucking drop some knowledge on me. He was in Captain Kangaroo, dude.
0: Hell yeah, dude. I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: it's, it's literally Kangaroo. like, so he, he uh, had a role in uh, an uncredited uh, extra role in 1952. Uh, he was on an episode of Captain Kangaroo in 1961. Didn't do anything until Bottle Rocket in
0: '96. Damn. Dude took, <laughs> took some time to himself. I love he really it. find himself, you know?
1: Right, to the say, world. I should say, didn't do anything that is credited in IMDb. I'm sure he was doing right, right, lots right. of dope shit because he <laughs> seems like the type.
0: <laughs> It'd be really funny if you just, if you like, we like interviewed him and he was like, yeah, so what did you do, you know, for those, those like 36 years in between Captain Kangaroo and. Uh, and uh, Bata rocket like nothing, literally nothing. <laughs> I did absolutely nothing for 30. I was in a catatonic state in my house for 36 years. That'd be amazing. I would, just, I would respect that.
1: He was just, he was finding peace.
0: He was finding inner peace. Yeah. He went to Carmitage and he was, uh,
1: he was learning all the wisdom that he would later impart to characters in his movies. <laughs> in movies from then on. Yeah. Just
0: waiting to age up so he could play the <laughs> the uh, wise old man. Almost <laughs> I like, well, made I- it,
1: almost made it to a hundred. He was he was ninety just shy of ninety-five when he passed.
0: Oh, what mm-hmm. a tragedy. Yeah. Uh good good man hopefully i don't know we don't know his personal life <laughs> he seems um, to have been. <laughs> he seems to have been an okay guy uh yeah so uh so, you know so she gets the job there and you know she's back and now it's 4 years later and now the world has learned that uh this planet that has now come closer and closer uh, to us is in fact a duplicate Earth. And uh, what they say is, you know, you know, all the satellite, you know, we hear this via, you know, TV, tra- you know, like news stations and stuff like that, you know, in rooms. And one of the things they say is like, you know, it looks, it looks exactly like our Earth. The mm-hmm. continents are shaped the same, all of the water, you know, masses and land masses are in the same place. There seems to be a collection of cities in all of the same places you know, for all purposes, this is an identical copy of Earth, and they're attempting, they're going to attempt to contact it, which is where Dr. Joan Tallis comes in.
1: Yeah, so, and this, I, I will i will get out of the, the way right now, my one uh, scientific gripe with this, uh, because for the most part I very much enjoyed suspending disbelief for this, this multiversal story, um, but they make a point at one point for uh, a news broadcaster, or like someone being interviewed, uh, like a scientist being interviewed on the news and whatnot to say like it's there it's physically there it has mass and like all of these things and it's like okay so if it has mass it has gravity and if it has gravity and it is within the moon's orbit of us then like we are imminently colliding and like shit is already bad by the time that that planet is that close to us
0: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, you know, I mean, there's a couple of things. So one, uh, you know, uh, actually, you know, Neil deGrasse, we'll we'll share this out on our social media and stuff too, but Neil deGrasse Tyson actually did a TikTok about this movie where somebody asked the question is of, is it possible that there is another Earth-like planet in our solar system, but it just always is on the opposite side of the moon from where, or of the sun from wherever we are, so we're never able to see it. Basically, we're just on such a perfect path that we just forever can't see it.
1: Which is briefly um, it, mentioned in this movie. Like, there's a, like, just the split moment where someone talks about, a you know, a planet always being obscured by the sun or occluded by the sun.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, so in this, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, like, you know, yes, that is possible for some solar systems and planets. However, our uh, trajectory and our orbit around the sun is not... Uh, is not a perfect circle, and it's not uh, it's not done in in a perfect way. You know, so we kind of have like an ovalish slingshotty mm-hmm. you know shot around the sun. So, uh, so in theory, based on all scientific evidence we have, no, that wouldn't be possible because you know, there are moments where, you know we're a shorter, uh, shorter blinded by the sun and longer blinded by the sun. It would have to be such a synchronous orbit. Um, but it would have to be at a varied speed in order for us to never, ever see any of it, even like a sliver of it off the side or a partial of it. It would have to be like it would have to constantly be altering its trajectory in order for us to not see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that this is scientifically not possible. Um, and, you know, uh, as Caleb mentioned about gravity Yeah, I mean, basically, if we kept getting closer, we would eventually orbit into, you know, do a slow descending orbit into each other until eventually we just smashed into each other, which is actually what the plot of Melancholia is, Mm -hmm. is that this new planet shows up and basically we get locked into orbit and we're just slowly death spiraling into each other and eventually they just smash into each other. Like, the the movie is like, yeah, everyone's, everyone's gonna die, So what do you do between now and then, basically? It's like, what matters at that point? Crazy movie. Um, Which... Yes.
1: um, Just, well, I guess about nine years previous in 2002, I think, um, one of my favorite short stories of all time was was published uh, in the uh, O. Henry Prize uh, collection. We were actually talking about this briefly the other night, but it's called The Ceiling, uh, and in it, the, the occupants of earth, like I suddenly notice like that a, a, a ceiling for lack of a better term is slowly descending on earth. And like, at first they just kind of go about their, their business and it's news, but it's like, Oh, what will happen? And then it like steadily, steadily like compresses down and like starts to destroy buildings and whatnot. And the people are like, well, I guess we're fucked pretty soon. So like, I, I think it's interesting that like There was that story published and then the uh, melancholia and this movie and whatnot. So, like, clearly we were thinking a lot about uh, things seeming to close in on us uh, around the uh, the, the turn, turn of the millennia. Uh. (laughs) You know,
0: I, you know, one of the things that I did actually appreciate about this movie, at least to my uh, recollection, there was never any mention of the implications of religion on this of like, well, what does it mean that there's a duplicate earth? Like, what does that mean for religion? Like nobody ever talks about religion whatsoever. We see a few people like the end is near and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's judgment day and blah, blah, blah. But it's very generic and vague. You know, I mean, like judgment day I mean, it does, it, it you know, even though it is generally associated with, you know, uh, Christian, uh, you know, apocalyptic, you know, Christian beliefs, it's such a generic term. I mean, it's used in Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and it has nothing to do re- with the religion. It just has to do with the fact that everybody's, you know, going to get stepped on by robots. Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. I know.
1: I see what you mean. Wait. Um, no, I mean <laughs> I
0: mean yeah, robots step what? on other humans. No. I
1: I do think it's interesting that they avoided making this uh, in any way an apocalyptic story as well. Like they they really kept yeah. it more of just like a, a human story. Like a what like what would we do? What like what are the implications here? Not like oh shit, it's over for us now. And it's like this is this is part of life now, I guess, uh, is kind right. of the, the implication.
0: Um, and uh, so here comes the big reveal of this part of the movie is, uh, you know, we ma- we made the joke about Dr. Joan Tallis, director of SETI. She is live on a broadcast of, of the news and she is attempting to make contact with uh, the other Earth. And what happens is, is she says, you know, hello, my name is Dr. Joan Tallis. I'm the director of SETI. Uh, for, you know, our Earth, you know, is anyone there? Can you hear me? And, you know, it takes a second and we get the static and we get the garble and stuff like that. And then we get, you know, she was like, hello, this is Dr. Joan Talis And then somebody says, hello, this is Dr. Joan Tallis. Back to her and it's mm-hmm. her voice. And she's like, wait, what? And eventually what we learn is, There are duplicate copies of everyone. It is literally, it's like somebody right-clicked duplicate on Earth and just threw it on the other side of the solar system and then eventually made its way back. This is a, for all, you know, basically our understanding, they don't, this is, you know, kind of one of my complaints, but also like it, you know, to your point, it works, but they don't really go into detail of what that means or Mm -hmm. how they learned it. But basically what we've learned is that, It is duplicate Earth in the sense that everybody that is standing on Earth 1 exists on Earth 2. However, uh, something that we learn a little later is that basically what they learned is at the point that Earth 1 discovers that Earth 2 exists, which is also the moment, uh, coincidentally, uh, that Rhoda crashes into that other person's car is that they're thinking that that's the day when everything went out of synchronicity. So, basically, they were identical up until that day for about four years ago now.
1: And so, I I love that, and I I was waiting... I, I mean, I do, too. I was waiting to see how they were going to handle it, because for the longest time, this didn't really... Uh, you know, we, we approached this as a multiverse story, but it didn't really feel like it was actually going to be a multiverse story. It felt like it was sure. some, like... Bizarre, uh, high concept art sci-fi, uh, where just another planet shows up and like, Oh, what are we going to do? There's another earth. Uh, but when they, they make that point of like the moment that the two observe each other, that's when they become different. Like that's quantum, like that's quantum mechanics right there. Essentially like at the moment of observation, the two possibilities split and now you have a for all intents and purposes, a multiverse. Uh, and I, I love that because that allows uh, a, a lot of speculation and had they chosen to, that allow would have allowed a lot of exploration of the differing potential storylines for these characters. I like that they didn't give in too much to that. And you know, we'll get into that as we go along, but um, it allows us to say that, we can confidently say that all of these people exist up until this point, uh, and like have similar backstories. And from here on, they diverge. And now we don't know. And that's what allows Joan Tallis to know what Joan Tallis bought from the the gift shop at Space Camp. Uh, it was the freeze dried strawberries. Because yeah, who doesn't fucking buy the, the the astronaut food? Everyone buys astronaut the astronaut food. food. Everyone
0: buys the astronaut food, yeah. Listen. But she also says, like, when were you born? And she says May 7th, yeah. Of 1954.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's how she's able to, to know all of these specific details from Joan Tallis's past because Joan Tallis lived them. Um, but if she were to say, like, what did you have for lunch today? It probably would have been different.
0: Yeah, Yeah, completely. They're probably wearing different outfits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, uh, we're gonna jump, now we kind of, this story happens, and I think it's great because the, uh, we see Rhoda's family, it's her mom or dad and her brother, and all three of them have the reactions that I feel like everybody would have, is the mom just kept being like, what does that mean? But what does that mean? But what does that mean? And the dad was like, it's probably just a prank. And the son goes, we're all gonna die! I just think like, it's really funny. And, like, those are the three reactions they're all having. And Rhoda's just like, it's fine. It's fine. This is exciting. Which um, and I thought that was really great.
1: The um, the brother, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah. is uh, the, the dude who plays uh, the penguin in, in the Gotham show.
0: Uh, he is indeed, yeah. He's also uh, I recognize him at first because this is, I think, right around the same time, and he has the same haircut. He's the the weird son in Wedding Crashers, the oh, one yeah. that has a thing for for Vince Vaughn, Robin Lord um, Taylor. What a badass yep. name! Yeah, right. Good, good name. <laughs> so, uh, so at this point, you know, we uh, we've learned that we know. You know, they talk about uh, we we hear that there is this space company which is very Richard Branson esque. Um, you know, space company that is uh, basically going to uh, attempt to make a trip to Earth too.
1: I actually had to look up the voice actor for uh, the the characters, Keith Harding, uh, played yeah. by Rupert Reed, because the, the first couple lines that he says... I swore it was my buddy Marcus because it's like, it's an Aussie (laughs) voice. And I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) Hang on. Why
0: didn't you tell me that? Yeah. Um, No, he does a very good Richard, uh, Richard Branson um, voice. And they even make a reference to Richard Branson. And that is that uh, while later in the movie, uh, uh, this character, Keith ends up talking to Rhoda and he says like, you know, that's great. He's like, you know, when I was young, people said you'd either end up in jail or a billionaire And he's like, and let me tell you, it's a fine line. Uh, (laughs) He's like, so. um, But that is something that someone said to Richard Branson as well. So that's a direct quote from uh, something from Richard Branson's uh, autobiography.
1: Which is also just an interesting little tidbit to throw into a story about the, like, the consequences of a single moment.
0: Yes, uh, exactly. Yep. Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rhoda is an ex-con, but because she was a minor when the events happened... Uh, all of those files are expunged, but then also locked uh, privately for any of the the back history of that, and that does come into play in a little bit. So uh, Rhoda, you know, is very intrigued by the idea of another Earth, um, but we we don't really see her actively like. There's not scenes where she's like you know, consuming a lot of material about it or asking anyone about it. We learn via, you know, a, a, an in-passing statement is that there was an essay contest uh, to basically be one of the uh, passengers on a flight to Earth-2, and she uh, has entered that contest. Which um, yeah. would would you do? I. You know what? Yes, but honestly, my biggest... Thing is, I would absolutely vomit on the ride. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I would have to be like, like I would have to say, like, you put me out like the minute you start those engines, and then you wake me up when we land. Otherwise, I will vomit nonstop. Just the nonstop. helmet,
1: helmet yeah. full of bile.
0: <laughs> Re- yeah, it, I would look like a like a fish tank full of soup. It'd be just oh. terrible. <laughs> it would just be. The absolute worst. I <laughs> was like, are we blah, there yet? Blah, blah, blah. It would just be, it would be a terrible mess.
1: <laughs> what, uh, what are we having today? Chicken and rice? Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, <laughs>
0: slish slosh. All right. So, uh, now let's get into the to the actual meat of this story, right? So, you know, all of the things we said, this is really all the things that are happening around the bigger story. So the bigger story is Rhoda takes a job as a, um, as a school janitor. You know, this is where we meet the wise old janitor that she talks to. And uh, at one point we see her go to a house. Um, it's kind of off, you know, ways. She knocks on the door and she says, oh, hey, I work for... Uh, you know this uh new cleaning company made in Haven made in Haven uh because this place uh, this uh, film takes place in New Haven Connecticut and was mm-hmm. shot in New Haven Connecticut uh or around Connecticut and uh you know she says like oh you know some some guy answered the phone clearly he's uh disheveled distraught like you know I I didn't recognize him at first but I kind of figured it out eventually um but he is the driver of the car that she hit he, uh, he
1: is the well yeah. she she google searches like she, oh yeah
0: like she, she specifically find yeah finds who it is yeah. i i fi- i figured that out afterwards. i was like okay that's what she was doing i think i like didn't fully pay attention to what she was doing yeah i knew that she was searching a thing and then she went to this house and i was like oh that must have been the guy as soon as she as soon as he opened the door
1: oh well, so what happens she's she's kind of meandering about uh, near the site of the, the collision, um, you know, after she's been released from jail and she's, you know, just trying to reacclimate herself and, and you can tell she's revisiting that and she's, she's struggling with it, especially, uh, as she's also, you know, watching this earth get closer and like struggling with like, what does that mean? Um, and she sees him drive up and like, stop and like, put, you know, uh, like a, a toy at the the intersection and, like, that's what makes her realize, like, oh, shit, that must be the guy. So she looks in, into the accident, <clears throat> finds out that he survived, looks up where he lived. Like, she she finds out that he used to be a, a music professor and he was a performer, and she finds out, like, he's staying in this, like, cabin, basically, out in the middle of nowhere, just kind of secluded himself from, from from the world. So she goes with the intent, like she's going to introduce herself she's going to apologize and try to make amends she loses her nerve at the last moment and that's why she's like i'm here to tell you about the deal from maidenhaven clean free cleaning for first first one's free
0: first first one's free we're we're expanding and he's like are you based in new haven and she's like yeah and he's like you're really far away and <laughs> she's like oh yeah we're expanding our customer base and uh yeah and he's like No, I don't want that. And then he was like, "Alright, okay, wait, I do. You said it was free. Come on in, then."
1: Which and so you know, I I would like to point out uh, the the actor who plays the 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 dad here. Does he not remind you of a a very very like just like AI generated? Take two pictures, smush them together. uh, Liam Neeson and Scott Bakula.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I also was thinking like like a Liam Neeson and like Pedro Pascal kind I of put together. Uh, really from expected one of those photos
1: him to like to go full action hero at some point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So so uh, th- this man is played by William Mappether, who was Dr. Ethan Rom in Lost. Um, he was in The Mentalist. He was in uh, I mean, the Lethal Weapon TV show. To be fair, uh, everyone was in
1: The Mentalist.
0: Everyone was in the... I yeah. Mean, he was in uh, the MacGyver remake. He was in Supergirl. Like, he he's in... A, like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy. Like, yeah. I totally recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. He... he I mean, jeez. He's been in every, like, show ever. Uh, and uh, he's been in a lot of movies. Like, he was in Castle um what else he was in madman Mad madman uh, Mad um he was in the jobs movie which is interesting but it was a very small part hmm. um hmm. but yeah it, he he's been in a lot of stuff um you know it, it, when you see him you're going to be like oh yeah that guy i i recognize him cuz he's he's got a very distinct scar on his face so like it, he's recognizable yeah um, and you know, so she kind of goes in, sees that this guy's house is just an absolute disaster. Like it's clear that, you know, he, I mean, she understands why it is what it is, right? Like she knows that this is the direct cause of her actions and you can tell that, you know, she's, she's like, oh shit. Like I straight up ruined this guy's life for four years, which I mean, yeah, you kind of did. Yep. That's that's a fair <laughs> yeah. assessment. I mean, you know, this is a major thing. Like, this isn't like you broke his favorite car. This is like you killed his wife and child. Like, you ended this man's entire career, like, life trajectory.
1: Also, they they twist the knife just a little bit by making sure to let us know that the wife was also pregnant.
0: (laughs) Was also pregnant. It was like, come the fuck on! I was like, oh yeah, and we also had our brand new puppy in the back seat, and uh, <laughs> we just paid off that car too, and uh, you know, like it was an antique handed down from my dad, like who also died when I was, you know, like they really just like piled on all the guilt they possibly could. It was it was
1: the rough. the D to our home burned up in the fire and. <laughs> Right,
0: like, it's just, you know, I had like a, a Mickey Mantle signed baseball card that we were going to use to buy, a house and that's gone, that was in the car too, we were going to go sell it right then, and that's gone now, so, like,
1: Jesus, it was, yeah.
0: Uh, my, so my,
1: my grandfather was so distraught, he just killed over and died on the spot,
0: I'm like, what have you and when, done, Rhoda? <laughs> And when he died, he fell in front of a school bus full of other children, orphans, who were going to go to a new forever home, and they veered off a cliff, and then they all died. But when they landed off the cliff, they landed on another orphanage that was all full of other orphans, which caught on fire and eventually burned down the hospital next door. It's just, it was one thing after another, Rhoda. You really did it. Just the You really, you did it this time. The world's worst Rube Goldberg device. <laughs> earth one just <laughs> earth two people watching and being like yo what the fuck is going on with earth one over there Shit is <laughs> there is a line of fire from connecticut all the way to like vegas
1: what is happening
0: <laughs> just like yo shit is not good there
1: <laughs> oh my god oh, um poor Rhoda. total aside just something i was thinking about as i was i was rewatching it earlier um This movie, as we said, it was released in 2011, so filmed sooner than that. Had like a a decade head start on it, but in a lot of ways, almost feels like a COVID movie because there's like more often than not, there's no more than like two to three people on screen at any given time. It's another... There there are a a bunch of people involved, and we do see more, like, background characters and stuff like that than you might see in some of the smaller films that we've we've talked about. But it still has a lot of that feel where, like, the majority of the action is just two people on screen having a conversation or just being. Like, sometimes not even talking, just, like, moving from room to room, and, like, you see, you like her Rhoda standing in one room, like, looking at all the the detritus of this man's life as he like wanders down the hall like a you know like a, a ghost on repeat like just yeah, like sad going through the husk motions. Of a person yeah
0: yeah I, you know it's interesting so like she works uh at a school as a school janitor but we never really see the kids we just see her and the other janitors like kind of you know milling about and, and cleaning here or there
1: yeah, there's, like, one so, scene with some some girls gossiping in the bathroom and her trying to, like, stay away from them because she doesn't want to talk.
0: Right, just, like, cleaning around them. So, uh, basically, you know, uh, Rhoda has uh, introduced herself to uh, John Burroughs is the name of the character— And, you know, says, like, oh, yeah, I'm totally a cleaning service. And, uh, you know, eventually he's like, yeah, okay, come clean every week. So she's basically coming and cleaning his house. And uh, what she does is he writes a check to her um, to uh, Maiden Haven, uh, you know, cleaning service. And we see her as she leaves because obviously she can't drive. Um, You know, when she gets onto her public Transit, she rips up the check and she does it every week. Um, You know, and at one point he even says like, oh, hey, like, uh, you know, I, I noticed that no one was cashing. Like none of my checks were cashing. I called the maid service and, you know, they don't have like my address on file and said they don't they don't know who you are. And he's like, I don't even know what your name is. And she's like, oh, Rhoda. And he was like, yeah, so, like, what's going on? She was like, oh, I don't know. I'm getting paid, so, which is obviously a lie. She's she's cleaning this man's house out of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's like, well, I, I'm getting paid. Must just be an error with their system or something. And he's like, oh, huh, weird. Okay, well, whatever.
1: But, yeah, I, I think it, it shows how, uh, how little energy he wants to expend into, like, testing her story because, like, these are verifiable things. So like you can, you can definitively right. say whether this person works for this company and whether or not you have a contract with that company <clears throat> with, you know, just a little bit more effort than what he put in. He just, he did the bare minimum and accepted her story. I think because he just, he wanted to, I think, you know, he, he had shut himself off for so long. Like he was yep. starting to open up to a human again. And, you know, at, at first was reluctant to do that, but like, I think he's found it's like it's slowly bringing him back. So he, he yeah. doesn't want to debunk her because he wants it to, to just be this thing that's happening.
0: I mean, you know, in, in all fairness, outside of uh, outside of his backstory, though, uh, there's a couple. Of, so one, the fact that he just is like, OK, some random girl shows up at his house with no cleaning supplies and is yeah. like, oh, I'm a maid. I'm here to clean your house. And he's like, OK. And then he never asks her name, like, and she's cleaned at least three times at this point. Like, it's at mm-hmm. least been three three to four weeks of cleaning. And he even says, like, oh, I never even asked your name. And she's like, uh, that's because I didn't tell you it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. okay, so what is your name? And she's like, Rhoda. And he's like, nice to meet you, Rhoda. And she's like, whew, he doesn't remember. But well, it's because... Um,
1: like this whole time, I was like, "There's no way he doesn't know. Like, there's no way he hasn't memorized her photo and every detail about her from all of the press releases and everything." But they—he oh, tells a story about it. Yeah, and they—they they give us the explanation later. They're like, "Because the the um, the driver of the vehicle who killed his family was a minor. Uh, the her, her details were never released, and like he was in a coma for a little while after the the incident, uh, and like." He, you know, he just, he had, I think it was his brother or some member of his family just handle all of the, like the legal documents. He's like, I don't want to know. I just, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want any part of it. And so like we get this like very convenient reason like, why he didn't immediately recognize her and why when she finally says her name, it doesn't ring a bell. Cause like you would have expected like, like wait, wait, how many Rhodas do you know from this general area uh, that are because they would this have been age. at the trial
0: and yeah, because yeah. I mean, the, she you know, she would have been at a trial. Like even though she was a minor, he mm-hmm. was, still would have been present at the trial. You know, but the brother was probably present at the trial. But you know, once you hand the paperwork over, all of that is redacted. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it, yeah, I mean, it works out very conveniently, and so she's mm-hmm. like Rhoda, but he tells the story of like. Oh, like, can I, you know, can I take you to a place or something? And then he says, like, my wife and child were killed uh, in a car crash. I was in a coma. And he's like, and all I thought about was, you know, finding out, like, I wanted, you know, after I came out of the coma and after I came out, like, I I tried to get all the paperwork, but because they were a minor, I couldn't know. But I wanted to hurt this person. Like, I mm-hmm. wanted to come after him. I think he even says, like, I wanted to kill this person. He's- like, he he says, like, he was
1: very, like... He Not implies he's like I spent a lot of time thinking about what I would do to them,
0: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like he, it is clear that he's still holding uh, aggression and anger towards this person, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um. So now you know. Now that the film is, it progresses with their relationship. We see her opening up to him more. Uh, also, at the same time, as we have mentioned you know the other earth is being contacted she enters into the uh contest uh to basically write an essay to go to the other earth and uh she ends up winning that contest but we're going to talk about it in a minute so now here comes the the messed up part of this movie and which is why I say if you removed the another earth part out of this movie this is still actually a really good dramatic movie. Mm-hmm. So they end up connecting a lot. Like they end up having, you know, like joking around, which is also weird because she's like 21 and he's definitely like 40 something. Um, but anyways, uh, so they end up connecting. They end up smooching. They end up doing it. And now they're like this happy
1: lucky couple. Don't gloss over just how he wins her heart by playing the saw for her. <laughs> My
0: man Which, plays uh, the singing saw, and it, uh, that's it. Uh, Panties and
1: he's the analog theremin over here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just, and it's the best part is because, like, you know that he's, he doesn't really know how to play. So, like, he, like, like puts the bow on it and like it makes like a sound and then it goes Whoo! And, Like you could tell it wasn't really him doing it you know very very funny um and uh, uh and, and it's just great because you know she he's she's like oh and he's like huh wink wink and then mm-hmm. yeah then they end up going going and doing it um, and, uh, yeah, so, so they're a full fledged couple. And at one point, you know, she brings up the idea of going to another earth and, uh, you know, uh, he, he, or she mentions the, the contest and then, you know, so now comes our big climax of the movie. Right. So, uh, she, uh, sh- you know, she says to him like, Hey, I've won this contest and, uh, I'm going to go to another earth and he's like don't go like don't go like we're i we're building something like this is this is here like we you know this is uh um you know like we've got something here like don't Mm -hmm. go stay here with me and she's like i gotta tell you and then she's like you know says like Here's the story uh, about a lovely lady who was bring. Oh no no, no that was not the story. No, she says you know uh, let me tell you the story about a girl had a life, you know blah blah. She basically tells the story of of her crashing into his car, to which he freaks out. You know he he you know puts his you know uh you know goes to choke her basically you know arms around her neck and just is like you know aggressive and like. Like, what the, you know, he's, he's like very, very upset. He finally lets her go. She drops to the ground. And one of the things that she brings up is she talks about the synchronicity breaking Mm -hmm. the moment that at the same time that her car crashed. And, uh, basically, you know, we get the implication that, Uh, Well, not the implication, but we we get the understanding is because she was supposed to go off to the Mojave Desert to train um, to uh, to to train to uh, go to this other planet. She wins the contest. She accepts. But instead, we see a news report where it's him saying that he's going to this other planet instead. And the reasoning is because she basically says to him, like, because everything went different on that day, like your wife and kid is probably still alive Mm -hmm. on that planet. But like, so is he, so that comes into a problem. Um, And so, you know, the idea is that she probably passed her ticket on to him and he is now going to go to that planet to be able to see his wife and son and, and maybe have closure. Uh, I think it's only going to complicate things. That's a whole other movie. I think that's probably been done, but probably should be done. Um And uh, the movie ends in a really, really weird way. <laughs> and you're right, it's correct. Like, everything that's happened so far is correct. So she, you know, sees the news report, she's walking, you know, home, and she stops in her driveway, and there standing in her driveway is her, who is dressed very nicely, as opposed to the baggy, you know, dirty, you know, like, school uniform clothes we've seen her in. So obviously she did not, she didn't crash and the movie just ends just like that so which i think is really interesting because unlike multiverse last week where it could it should have ended you Mm -hmm. know 10 minutes earlier instead of like doing the whole thing it ends on the like oh shit was that a season one cliffhanger like what is going on right now (laughs) like it was it was pretty wild
1: yes and that's that's where i say like there's a a special skill in storytelling that that some people have to pick the exact right ending that can be at times extremely unsettling, but there is no better way for the story to end. Yes, they could have sent her to that earth and she could have uh, tried to make amends there or tried to meet herself and like, you know what did you do differently what was life like yes we could have followed uh what's his nuts to the other earth to see what happens with this family yes we could have had this whole exploration of like the two Earths you know, commingling and what is that like and do we have like more weird paradoxal shit like in multiverse where like once you cross over to the one like you're extraneous and like now you're fucking with the laws of it like we could have explored all sorts of things. We could have really deep dived into the the, the idea of the multiverse and of this, like, split in the, the synchronicity of the, the planets. Like, there's a lot that could have been explored. But just that, like, we know that he went off to see if his family was still there. And we see that the other her still had that, that drive and curiosity and passion and intelligence that she had at 17 that propelled her to being on their version of the first you know, like in, inter Earth uh, travel flight. Um, I think is really cool because it, it shows us just you know the the two completely different paths that this the, this woman took uh, on two different worlds brought her like to this same moment in the same driveway on the same Earth, face to face with each other, and we learn nothing else. And I, I mean, nothing love else. That. I yeah, fucking I, I love think
0: it. I, I think the ending, the ending for me, because like before that moment, the ending was kind of like a ah, that's gonna be messy, but ah, like that's that's kind of the right resolution. Like that's mm-hmm. her, that's her making amends, right? Mm-hmm. Is is mm-hmm. him giving an opportunity to have that closure? Uh, you know, and you know she yeah she kind of fucked with him along the way, and that kind of sucked. But that's you know that's the drama of it all. And then that ending was kind of like, "Wow, another earth. It's another earth." <laughs> um, you know, so like that was really cool and, and I like that. I and here's the thing, if I were to rewrite this movie, I don't really know if I would do much different. I think I I would have wanted I would have front-loaded the another earth stuff a little more. I think it would just would have added a little more another earth st- stuff, like the conflict with the fact that there is another Earth. I would have brought up the idea of the fact that there's duplicates and the complications that may occur, but I don't even know if I would do it that much. I
1: don't really think that I would change anything, because there are there are other stories in this film's orbit, for lack of a better term. This yeah. film's This <laughs> film's universe. There are other stories in this universe uh, that I would love to see because i think that the concept presented here is really excellent and uh lends itself to expanding and uh refining but this story th- this story was nearly perfect to me i don't think i would change anything yeah. um yeah,
0: I, 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 that's the thing. That's, I struggle with with changing it without it becoming one movie or the other, and that's kind mm-hmm. of where I said like, "There's two movies here," because again, like, I could make, I could pull out, you know, get rid of the sci fi aspect and just talk about the idea of a person, you know, four years ago crashes a car, goes to make amends, can't do it, ends up falling in love. Like that, there, there is, you know, there are movies like that, you know, ends up falling in love. They have a relationship. In the end, she does a grand gesture to make amends. That is a good drama movie. Mm -hmm. And then the other movie is, what are the implications of finding a duplicate Earth that is exactly like our Earth with all the same people and all the same scenarios and all the same history, and everything is identical up until one singular point, and then everything splits, and what is the complications of that? That is a whole other movie. You know, That is a whole other great sci-fi movie, probably. But with the two of them together, it's like,
1: what <laughs> i kind of like that it, they not in a they, bad way but just like what they make you think about what those implications are but the other earth itself is really more just like part of the scenery it, it is part of the setting of this film it is the backdrop it is this looming presence they keep looking at it the camera pans through it all the time we see it getting closer and closer and it is part of the motivation and what drives the characters Without us ever having to actually directly interact with it, and then just like that one yeah. moment of like seeing the other Rhoda is our concrete like yes, it was real. Yes, there are differences, and yes, it like clearly the, this idea that they they uh, took disparate paths at a, a recent point in time that that holds true because here is a a, a successful and. Uh, you know, very much, much better off personally. Rhoda uh, standing and facing her, her more broken self from uh, what they call Earth One throughout throughout this. Which I also love that they they make the point of like, you know, do you think up there? Do you think they're calling themselves Earth Two? They're no,
0: calling Earth Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it, it, it is really interesting too. And I think they did such a good job with the duplicate Rhoda because throughout the whole film we see rhoda you know for for lack of a better term she's she's frazzled she's mm-hmm. frumpy you know she's constantly in baggy oversized clothes her hair is never really done she doesn't really have pre- she doesn't have like any makeup on like anything outside of you know regular movie makeup and you she's know, like, very she's never,
1: closed too like yeah, her body she's language punched
0: is, over yeah yeah and, and this one, I mean, she's full-on, like, very nice, bright colors. You know, her hair is curled and done and highlighted. You know, full face of makeup. You know, she's standing in, in you know, she... It just... It, they did such a good job with just the wardrobe and the look alone. Like, hair, makeup, and wardrobe did such a good job because... Because there's no explanation. Again, she just walks up the driveway, and there she is, and then they take a step towards each other, and the movie ends. But, like, they did such a good job of showing that juxtaposition that you know exactly who that Rhoda is. Like, you know she did not crash her car on that night. Like, you just know it in that second that you see her.
1: Yeah. Um, I also love, so... uh, uh Britt Marling, who who plays Rhoda, co-wrote this, and I think we might have mentioned that yep. at, the, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but five years later, she co-created and starred in the OA on Netflix, uh, yeah. which, while still a very different storyline, has a lot of similarities, and there is something of a feeling of potentially like of, of multiple worlds and whatnot. Uh, I, it's been a, a long time since I watched the the first season. I don't think I ever watched the second. Uh, so I don't remember all the, the plots but I feel like this movie uh, almost definitely opened up the way for her to then go go on and like co-create that show and okay. she carries a lot of the same tonal aspects through uh, and the way that she plays uh, Prairie in the OA is very similar to the way that she plays Rhoda uh, just in like her very kind of like closed off quiet uh, but like intense, uh, performance, uh, so just wanted to point that out. Like, just I, I, I think Britt Marling is a is a fantastic actor, and didn't realize uh, until tonight that she was so like closely involved in the creation of both uh, the uh, Another Earth and the OA.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Good, good for Britt. I, I would definitely see uh, what she has. I know that the OA has a very, very passionate uh fan base uh who have been trying to get that (laughs) show uncanceled for quite some time um so i enjoyed the the uh, first
1: season a lot i just don't i I don't think think i I ever finished the the first
0: season but i remember being like this is so weird i love it like it's just a weird show and i Mm -hmm. love it because it's very cult like it's well the first episodes i remember is very culty and i was like i like that yeah because it's about cults and stuff it's cool kind of yeah uh, very interesting so uh should you watch this movie um I, I think yes absolutely
1: mm-hmm. I would agree I, I this is it's a, a really good as you put just a really good uh familiar feeling uh drama story it has a a, a good like a, a close and intimate feeling like indie feel to it um but has uh, like more polish uh that you would expect from a, a somewhat larger budget uh, and I think that the backdrop of the the sci-fi elements, the multiversal type elements, uh, lend itself really well without distracting from the the intensity of the story.
0: I, I agree. You know, I think, you know, there are times in some of the shots that you can tell that this is pre-budget uh, shots where you're like, "Up, oh, this is before they got, you know, real mm-hmm. cameras. I mean, you can tell. Um, but it doesn't take away from the movie at all. I think you know maybe that's even more of an industry thing where like you're just like oh yep they got that's they're now they're on the real cameras and the good mm-hmm. lenses type thing. Um, but uh, I agree. I, I think this is a really good movie. You know as much as uh, you know we're in this multiverse themed month. Um, it it is, but it isn't uh, a multiverse story. But it kind of is. It's kind mm-hmm. of alternate reality story, and I I like it. I like it because it were It um the the other Earth, uh, works as a thought exercise, um, while all of this drama is happening, and that exactly that's pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. So pretty good. So uh, another Earth is available streaming on Hulu. Uh, so definitely check that out if you are able to. Uh, highly recommend it. And if if this film tickled your fancy, uh, definitely check out Melancholia as well. Uh, similar premise but a lot more dire ending uh, for everybody. Um, so so there it is, everybody. There is our second episode of our Multiversal May. Um, we super appreciate you guys listening. If you have not hit that subscribe button, please make sure to do so. Uh, we super appreciate it. And if you're on a platform that, uh, leaves, that has ratings and reviews, make sure to leave a rating and review. We, we would really appreciate that. And of course, above all else, make sure to share with 100,000 of your closest friends.
1: As you know and we know, You've already done that, but you know, tell everyone else that it's the least they can do.
0: It's, yeah, you know, so if, if they tell 100,000 and so on and so you know, the <laughs> commercial. Uh, so there it is, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you next time.